Um, and so it's like, it is something different. God shows up. Oh, I just hit the microphone. I just broke the rule. Um, Don't and, do uh, that again. I know. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm ashamed. <laughs> Brian Johnson always gives me the, the look if I do things like that, like yeah. the, the, the eyebrow look. Like, what are you doing, dude? What are you um, doing? So thank you for having more grace. Our job is to help you win. The destination is I will be a disciple who can make disciples. We got to watch people see themselves as world changers. Friends, welcome to the next edition. I don't even know which one it is. Corey, you don't know. Cause episode 14. Episode. I just totally made that up. It's not 14, but it's... 49. We're, we're getting close. Well, the other way. Three. <laughs> getting closer, getting closer. Hey, we're talking about Mission Fixated today. And we've already talked with Brian and Rob in the last episode on what we mean by fixated or Mission Fixated. And now we've brought in a really extraordinary and special guest with us today. You'll probably know this guy if you've ever listened to the Kansas City Underground podcast. His name is Corey Osmond. Corey, welcome to the Disciples Made Podcast. What's up? You know, my favorite thing is that it's in the same building that we record our others, but it's, it's down, it's down the way a little bit. So it feels totally new. Yeah. So, uh, no, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm just grateful that you would come. I've always respected you. Uh, we don't know each other a ton, but in, when our paths cross, the things that you say and the things that you're committed to and the stories I hear in your wake are ones that make me want to be better. And so, I mean, to get a guy like that, to be able to come and to share uh, what's going on here is just huge. If, if you're a listener, you know that our pattern in this first series has been that we on the team will talk about one of these five pillars of our intentional disciple-making environment. Just a quick review of them. They're content-focused, habit-fueled, content-flavored, community-forged, and this one, mission-fixated. So we we spend a week on a podcast talking about the nature of that from our team. But then one of our biggest principles on this podcast is to bring real-life practitioners in, disciples who are making disciples, to actually share how these tenets have changed the way they do ministry. Now, we're kind of, we're kind of backfilling Corey into this. Uh, he was doing this stuff well before he even heard our language. So it's not like we created practices. We just put language to some practices that the church has been about for many, many years. And he's been on the forefront here in Kansas City of a lot of great missional activity. So, Corey, just excited to have you here. Um, I mentioned that you're a part of the Kansas City Underground, but just give us a little bit of background. Tell us who you are, a little bit of your ministry history and your current roles right now. Yeah, I could probably talk a long time, so I'll try to make it short. Um, I was, well, I have to throw this in there because it makes me sound cool. I was born in Hawaii. Ooh. Yeah, moved here to Kansas City when I was uh, four, so I was seasoned. Uh, no, but then I, I basically grew up in Kansas City since then. So Kansas City has been my home since I was very little. Went to uh, K-State. Nice. Um, that's right. Man, happiness. That's right. It is the promised land. Mm-hmm. And uh, spent uh, <laughs> four years plus a, a great uh, victory lap, five years in Manhattan, Kansas. And I uh, was part of an incredible ministry out there called Ichthus Campus Ministry. Gotcha. And uh, came back here. It's actually one of the ministries that I coach now uh, as they're going all out to see disciples who make disciples in Manhattan, which is fun. Um, got married, came back to Kansas City and started at a, a really um, significant uh, kind of traditional church here in Kansas City. And I was the youth pastor, but man, from day one, I was always this like weird apostolic dude who was on staff. You know, like, you know, the guys who are on staff and they're uh, always seem to be pushing 
the, everyone else on staff, yeah. uh, either in good or bad or combination of both uh, ways consistently. And, uh, and so I was in my 20s. And so I was around a lot of other people in my 20s. And so we realized that while we were at this church and doing cool stuff with our youth ministry, we, were, we started the, we called them home churches and they were just mission focused communities and uh, trying to reach students and schools and realized that we didn't really have that for 20 somethings. So we just kind of started something, um, called it a, yeah, called it home church. It was amazing. We really began to walk in a community of people on mission together. Our goal and our hope was to reach other 20 somethings who didn't feel like they had much of a belonging in the church and one day we went from seven people to 25 people in my living room kind of overnight. And that really fueled a lot of even the things I think we're talking about today. Like what the difference between a group that sought after community versus a group that that sought after mission and oh, yeah. community was was infused and part of it. And, and that was, I mean, some of our best friends in the world. And anyway, long story short, as the, the longer I was at this church, um, the more I was that weirdo trying to do a bunch of other things and push people. And it was good. It was always good and it was fruitful. Uh, but over the years, yeah, we just it got to a point where it's like, you know what? Um, there's a lot of people in this city who don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, how can we uh, go on team and on mission together as teams to go and plant the gospel? And so I kind of was released from that. But um, I, yeah, I get to hang out with a lot of different types of people in the city. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I love it. I'm going to I'm gonna go on a, an unexpected detour here. Ooh, I mean, yeah. I'm gonna, I want to come back to mission fixated and, and what that means and why that's critical and how people can engage it. But I want to... I want to pull up that word that you used and talk about it for a minute. So I think it'd be helpful. MFC. Well, no, not, not that, that word. Not that word. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to rebuke me for a second. No, cool. not at all. Okay. But the angst behind it, the cynicism, that word cynicism. In mm. fact, cynicism is a word. Like I, I usually ask God, what's a word that's going to kind of direct my personal transformation mm. over the next year? And that's kind of an annual rhythm. And when I asked him for this year's word, two words, he said, I got two words for you. And the picture was very clear. One's in a green circle. So that one means go. Like there's a go around that Mm. word. But then there was a word in red with a slash through it. So like this is prohibited. And the word was cynicism. Hmm. And I think cynicism is a fantastic thing because it kicks people out of systems that they know they can't um, make make an edit to or a modification to that they think is critical. So cynicism is that drive that gets you enough out to not just complain about what you can't change, but to actually make a change and be able to do something about it. But it can't be the fuel from which you burn into mission. And the reason I wanted to take the detour is because there's probably a lot of people listening to this podcast who are taking an evaluative eye at current systems in their churches. So now an awful lot of people that are becoming discipled more and more and more, and they're looking at some current church systems going, I'm starting to become cynical. And I just wanted to create those two categories. And I'd love to get your feedback on that, that thought. Cynicism is a great catalyst to change your situation, but it can't be the fuel to motivate you long-term. Oh man. Yeah. I, I think cynicism has kind of a little bit of foundation in, um, in almost like anger. You know, like there's uh, and so there's some righteousness to that and there's some unrighteousness, just like Absolutely. any other anger. And and so I think with uh, 
I, I like to, I, I'm always, basically my entire strategy is to find the uh, healthy cynical ones. And um, so I call the, like the holy discontented, <laughs> right. right? Where it's like, there's got to be more than what I'm doing, right? Like, so I find the ones who say there's got to be more or who are pushing new boundaries who have already said there's got to be more. Therefore, I'm right. going to do this or this. Find those guys. Yeah, that's my entire, that's my entire thing. If, if I sit in cynicism, if I sit in that foundation, it's, it becomes angry. Yeah. Um, I, be, I basically, I, there's a way to disconnect instead of pioneer. If you stay in cynicism too long, I think you disconnect. Totally. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you and I think that's really, that's really good. And, and so it's like, I think a lot of people listening here, I would imagine are probably in that holy discontent, uh, or at least somewhere down that line. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it may take something like a pandemic to shake us up and, 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 and find even more of those people. Cause they're, those people may rise to the top during a, a season like we're in right now oh, and man. around the world. And I, I've had more conversations with people who, you know, are just contemplating what's next. Hmm. Will they ever go back to church? You know, like all those things that are happening right now. So maybe it's the time for the healthy cynics to, to come about and have these conversations. I like it. One of the, one of the things God's taught me this year that gives me kind of humility in this process of trying to get to more healthy cynicism than unhealthy, you know, Mm -hmm. was the fact that uh, one generation away, uh, that I'm one generation away of being people being cynical, the people that come behind me in age will be cynical of the tra- the transitions <laughs> that we made. It's like yeah. you back up and you see God's yeah, eternal plan. It's like my cynicism really is just a step in a greater mm. edification process for the church. Okay, so Amen. we brought that detour back. Thank you for your uh, your, your your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about this tenet of mission fixated and how um, that focus. Uh, has augmented your disciple-making efforts. But before we get there, just let me ask you this. What does that phrase mean to you? And then secondly, why is that phrase important to you? Very open-ended, go wherever you want to go. Yeah, phrase of mission fixated. Mission fixated. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple thoughts on it. One is from the community side, and one is from the effectiveness, fruitful side. Um, You know, so like... On one hand, you know, and, and, and again, if, if Brian or Rob or you, Brian, or other people have said these same things, then we'll, uh, you know, maybe we're stealing it from the same people. Um, but like Alan Hirsch back in the day, you know, so I'm reading Alan Hirsch stuff. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with Alan, but uh, early 2000s, I read The Forgotten Way, maybe 2006. Oh, yeah. and, um, and it was like all this language to how, what my heart was feeling for so long. And uh, he talks about, you know, this idea of communitas. Yeah, we talked um, about that in the last episode. Did you? Perfect, yep. wow. I haven't I haven't said or heard that word in a long time, so wow, there you go, two weeks in a row. But it really hit home, that feeling where it's like the best mission is mission together, or the best community is is, is community on mission. Yeah. Um, and that camaraderie that comes, and, and we were just talking about high school football here before we started recording, and uh, how that's pretty much all I remember from from my days in high school was the, the camaraderie felt among teammates right in the yeah. trenches um, and we had a really successful you know senior year in football and the the friendships that came about and something like that that is so significant so on one hand I'm thinking it through a community lens and it's like man the, the best way to forge those relationships is when it's like we're on we have purpose together mm-hmm. like we're doing something it's it's one of the reasons why short-term missions trips are so 
uh, effective, you know, if you've ever been in the, so effective in community, you grow so deep with people because mm-hmm. you get a glimpse of that. Right. That's good. Um, so that is really good on the other. And I'm just thinking of, well, the, it's not just for the sake of us on mission together. And it's all the goodness that comes from that. It's actually the resulting fruit. Hmm. So, I mean, if we're thinking of a, a world that doesn't know Jesus or the, the places in which we want to bring the kingdom, Right, and we want to we want to have the kingdom invade these spaces or in these relationships. And how is that going to happen if we aren't a group of people on mission together? Mm. You know, mm. so like if we're just going to be insular and we're just going to hang out and talk about uh, what the Bible says and how we can agree or not agree with it in various ways, I mean that's cool. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that my neighbor doesn't know Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't change the fact that you know, like maybe all of us have a, a shared heart for a single group of people, and we're not engaging those people. Uh, there's no, there's not a lot of kingdom fruit that's coming from those conversations if there's not mission uh, fixation. I love it. Um, you know, so like that's that's where it hits me, like from just right off the bat. Yeah, the way we talk about it at Disciples Made repeatedly is a little bit snarky in its approach. I like snarky. Yeah, yeah, you're you're more snarky than I am, which is pretty scary. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I go, I, I like to say Jesus never went up to Peter, James and John and said, Hey guys, you want to go grab a latte and study the Torah? <laughs> you know, yeah. he, he, he was like, let's go change the world. I'll make absolutely. you fishers of people like leave your job. Let's go. No, absolutely. Dude, it's funny how you say that. Cause that's exactly what I was thinking is Luke five. Like, so that's, that's one of like, when I start training so often I start with Luke five and you know, it's like you see from the starting point of if you're going to go and, and um, see fruitful ministry in your life, all right, what do you start with? Okay, you're starting with, an, uh, you're at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is sitting on the boat and he's, he, he stands on the boat and he starts talking to a crowd and people are fishing around him, right? And then, you know, like all of a sudden he says, hey, go back out there again and, and fish. And, uh, you know, the guys are like, um, okay, you know, we've been doing this all night. This is what we do for a living, but okay, because you say so they go and they suddenly are, they're hit in a miraculous way, right? They have an encounter with Jesus. Peter runs to his feet, falls on his knees. And, you know, it's like, I'm unworthy. And it's, and what Jesus does at that point is then he invites them to join him on mission as a team. Yeah. This is just like, a picture of the people. Yeah. And it's, it's from, and I love what I, what I also love is from day one. So it's not like they graduated into like, okay, now you're at master's level. You can come and be on mission together. You know, it's like day one. I mean, this is day one of Jesus's team forming and says, oh, you want to follow me? Let's go make fishers of men. Yep. You know, so I think I think it's so often we want to put mission, like we put like the graduate level Jesus followers, mm-hmm. you know, and usually we put them on stages. But at the same thing, it's like they're the ones who are going to actually go and evangelize their, their friend groups. They're the ones who are actually going to go make a difference. Um, and I think Jesus, is inviting us uh, from day one to to be a part of this mission. I love it. And apparently for you, that happened close to day one as far as your adult life. You're talking about 20 years of age. You're already stepping in to these environments. So this next mm. question may not actually land with you. Uh, the question is, did you ever try to disciple people without this mission fixation hmm. value? And if you did... What was the difference then compared to the way you disciple and influence now? 
Yeah, that's really good. Oh man, you're right. Like I did at a young age, be, driven by my own cynicism, and like, uh, <laughs> and, and dr- driven by my own holy discontentedness. Let's say, like, there was a lot of things I was bad at and continue to be bad at. I do think, by the grace of God, um, I mean, I guess. Okay, so I'm 36. How old am I? Um, and so I'm like, I'm at, oh, I'm like old millennial, like the oldest of the the precipice of millennial, depending on how they look at this. And I'm in a generation where I can count on what, if I had three hands, a two hands and a foot, I can count how many Christians I knew in my high school. Like, um, I went to a big old public school here in in Overland Park, Kansas. Um, and I'm sure there were more church attendees and I'm sure there were people I didn't know, but I'm like, I, I really tried to follow Jesus in high school. And I think I knew maybe 12 or 13 others. Um, and so from day, like early, early on in my life, I feel like I realized that if we weren't on mission together, there was like, this church thing we're trying to do is only going to last, you know, it's uh, the fruitfulness of this is probably not going to last very long anyway. It may be a generation longer. And so mm. in some ways you're right. I've kind of been operating with that. I had no idea what I was doing ever. Um, but I was in within systems that um, have and still pretty much look at small groups and disciple making efforts in what I would just call like a, just a total knowledge based way. Yeah. Right. Like we're, it's just like, man, if we can learn more and more, uh, and then it really got to a point for me and maybe to answer your question, the difference really falls into the idea of knowledge based versus obedience based disciple making. Um, and, and what I mean by that is if our goal is just to get a bunch of content and for people to agree with Jesus, um, maybe even to just build some good friendships, like, oh man, that's fine. But it, like, it doesn't, there's not a, there's not a driving, like, there's no power behind right. that. I guess what I'm trying, like Jesus didn't really call us just to agree with him. You know, he called mm. us to submit and follow him. And, and so, yeah, like maybe I, I think a lot of our efforts that are within um, the systems that I was a part of yeah. is what we would just keep doing is cycling through the same people. And it's like, oh crap, what are we going to do this next semester? Oh crap, what are we going to do this next year? That series just ended. Um, and so for me, I mean, that's a, that's exhausting yeah. to try to come up with something fresh and new as far as content, because it just is like, it has a short shelf life in that sense of just being like something creative and new. So that would be the answer, I think I would say. And the other side of that, okay, if you're focusing more than on mission, um, then you're gonna, there's a, there's, there's almost always something, how else do I say this? Exciting. And it's a, it's a funny way of saying that. So it's real, it's on the ground, there's newness. And so when you're asking people as they're following Jesus, what they're learning and what they're applying, there's always something there. But if you're just saying like, uh, what else has God taught you lately? It's like, well, crap. All right. This was a good answer 10, 10 years ago in a group I did. And then they, you know, throw that out there. Oh, so man. those are some big things that I have definitely seen as a difference. I'm with you. If you were, if you haven't listened to episodes three and four, go back and check those out. We're talking about how we want to dethrone content as king. Because hmm. just yeah. like you said, Corey, I mean, all of these are knowledge-based, information-based, discussion about topics. It's like, yeah. here, here's a topic. Let's all play Monday morning quarterback. And, and, and that provides a measure of gradual growth. But our, our conviction is that that kind of methodology actually informs people of how they could be better, but doesn't help them get better. Yeah. And yeah. so there's a gap between who they know they could be and who they are. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a devastating gap. And mm. so go back and check those out. We would say that content is important, but it's not king. 
That's why we talk about content flavored. So tell us now, okay, so we've talked a little bit about what Mission Fixated is and and what it looked like, what what groups can look like without it. But uh, tell us how this pillar plays out in your current group. So I'm just wanting to, Mm -hmm. I know you're probably involved in several groups, but you've got like a primary group of people that you would say are your fellowship of the ring, so to speak. Mm. Um, How does Mission Fixated play out in that current ministry role. Yeah. And so like you said, so one of, one of the unique things I do is that I'm, I'm kind of a catalyst in the city. So I've involved in a handful of, of teams. I, when it comes to like personally for me, um, I mean, these are the people that it's like, okay, I'm in the trenches the most with, it has emerged, uh, with this group of guys, um, including two that you heard last time, uh, Brian and, and, uh, and Rob and, uh, and Rob, in his backyard around a fire pit and a, a, a bunch of dudes started hanging out a few months ago. And I wasn't a part of that early on because I had uh, some other groups that I was uh, leading and God just started showing up in crazy ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but this group of people, like we share our lives, we, um, we're super focused on praying for one another, but there's always this, like we are in this together towards taking Kansas city, you know, like, so we're, it's a broad thing, but there is this flavor the whole time for us that it is, it, we're not there for just ourselves. Hmm. So, yeah. So like there, that to me, I think recently has become in many ways, it's scratched the itch of everything we're talking about because just to fill in the gap. And I don't know if this is too much information, but God, when he took my wife and I on this journey a couple of years ago to kind of really jump out of the boat of, um, of trying to just uh, reform the group, the church that we were a part of, to be a group that, of people that are on mission. God kind of called us to some radical uh, steps of obedience. And in that, we had to leave this foundational group of people yeah. that was, uh, and specifically this house church that I was telling you about, that was connected with this larger church. And because one day, and I'll just tell this story, and this really does tie in, um, we are talking about bless right? It was during that summer, handful of summers ago oh, yeah. where we are, we're trying to get all these groups to, what if the church, yeah. What if it? the church yeah. to walk in these missional rhythms of bless. And I had been growing in my um, discontent with this house church. Cause we had really, man, we gotten really good at just being with each other and we called ourselves this missional focused community. But at this point, uh, that we weren't missionally focused. We were just a community mm. and it was really clear to see that. And, uh, and we're sitting there and I'm trying, I'm at this point where I'm trying to like tug this group to like live in these blessed rhythms. And I remember we're sitting, I forget which week we're talking and there was just zero engagement. There was zero desire. And I just remember just being so saddened and frustrated, but the Lord was really close at that point and said, man, you've got time. It's time to go. Hmm. Um, because this group was so inward focused at this point, like I just became very clear that these were not the right people to run with, with this kind of division. We, yeah. And, uh, so with that, like we kind of had this season for a year or two where it's like, we still had a lot of relationships and we're catalyzing and helping new things start, but like, who are our people? Yeah. Like who are the people that were helping us do this? And, and so even in the last year that has emerged in such a, such a practical way, that's like, I mean, and one, it's like two sides of the coin again. Like on one hand, it's, it's man, the fruitfulness of the ministry can't be done alone and it can't be done without that focus. And on the, on the other side, it's like, I, I need that, you know, like I, I need that sense of community and that sense of camaraderie to come around me if I'm going to accomplish any of these goals mm-hmm. that we have in ministry. So here's what I'm thinking is as a person who's been to that Thursday night fire, mm-hmm. uh, but has chosen to go after my own set of knuckleheads on 
Thursday afternoon. Yeah. Um, I sit out as a bystander, as I, and I imagine that several of our listeners might be feeling this way as well. It's like, I wish I could be at that fire. Hmm. Like, um, well, yeah, Rob's address is, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you described, you know, with affection, your football team hmm. and you think back on those days as mm-hmm. how rich that was. I mean, we sweated out, man. We had to work in the gym and there were, mm-hmm. there were days I was throwing up on the football field cause it was so hot in this Kansas heat, you know, trying to yeah. crank out these practices. But you look back on those days with affection that Thursday night, uh, imagine 20 years from now looking back on those days. Yeah. And so if, if you're a listener right now and you're thinking, I want that kind of fellowship of the rings type of experience with like-minded people who are so fixated on a mission, it's Jesus mission, but he's given us clarity as to how we're supposed to help accomplish that. Here's the truth. You can. Hmm. And if you're asking the question, how then? That's where we need to start to take this conversation Mm -hmm. with Corey. Like, how has that evolved? How did you get to this place? I am completely going completely off script now of anything. (laughs) Good. Questions that I wrote you. I figured you'd like this. Yeah, they weigh us down. But like you, you being in that group is the product of a bunch of little decisions that you have made over Mm -hmm. the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So if you could somehow go back and kind of help a person who's listening to this podcast going, I want more of that. I'm tired of my group. I can't get leaders to multiply. We're Mm. just going from one series to the next series to the next series. I'm done with it. I want that. What's the evolution look like for them to find their place in a place like that? Yeah, that's such a good question. And and there's not one way. So I I can give some ideas and some things that I've seen and help Um, is one. I mean, it's, it's funny. My entire strategy is prayer. You know, and so uh, like we have some things in the city right now that we that, that God is burdening us for different groups of people, and so it just begins. God, would you somehow miraculously have me rub shoulders and cross paths with others who have a similar vision? There you go. So if you're starting with maybe a specific uh, kingdom cause or a specific group of people or a specific area, um, the first thing I would just say is desperately pray for teammates. Um, and I mean, and if it's desperately, I mean desperately, if you're praying and you're fasting and you're asking God, like, would you miraculously bring people who have something similar? Um, so that's, that's first step. Um, second step is maybe you're okay. You're just kind of going practical. You're saying who already exists in my life, um, that could get to maybe they're uh, one or two steps away from this. And so you're just going to sit down you're going to share your heart and you're going to say, this is my deep desire. Um, would you go on a journey with me? And um, start to, and so then you figure out what I would say then step three is get some rhythms in place. And, uh, and so that doesn't have to be all that complicated. It's like sit down with these people or, you know, as the, these people are forming, it's like, okay, what are our uh, daily, weekly, monthly rhythms to begin to live on mission together? Uh, it's going to be probably start with praying together. Um, it's going to start with yeah, yeah, a little bit of sharing life, but it's always with this, like, where do we see the kingdom of God breaking through within these people? You know, like the big, the big thing at that point is to not just be content with now being together because hmm. you're with like-minded people. Yeah. The, the goal is actually then to like be a place of encouragement, you know, be a place of, um, okay, where do you see God at work? in this group of people or this place that God's called you to and have it a place of refinement, a prayer for one another, honesty. But I just got, I got to say like disciple making, it is a team sport and you got to have people around you. Um, but it's at the same time, it is, it is spiritual and mysterious and like 
you got to ask, you got to have people to come alongside. And sometimes it's like, we just got to desperately ask Jesus to make that happen. So those are a couple starting points. There's others, no doubt, but um, I don't know if that stirs any thoughts or questions as you guys are thinking through that. Cause it does, it almost sounds like, okay, your strategy is prayer, like prayer to find people. Okay. But like, where do I actually start? Well, it's like, dude, I actually mean that. Yeah, that's, that's really what we do. Yeah, because I would rather uh, I would rather uh, pursue obedience than my competence. Uh, Jesus has done far <laughs> more through my obedience than my competence. Yeah. Um, so definitely that. Other thoughts to go along with that prayer, like people might say, "Well, I don't even know what I'm passionate about." Yeah. If you've never done any type of uh, kind of spiritual calling assessment, mm-hmm. uh, we have one that's free at Disciples Made. If you go to disciplesmade.com, go to our experiences page, and at the top of that is our GPS assessment. What are your spiritual gifts and natural abilities that God's given you? What are the passions he's put on your heart? We've got questions there to help you know, answer that. And what's the story God's been writing in your life so far? Those aren't the answers of how you get into that group like Corey's talking about, but those could start to provide like pointing arrows toward the things in in the world that you would perceive as Goliath. Yeah. I mean, before there was a battle called David and Goliath, there was a righteous fury Mm. in David's heart for the glory of God, Mm. right? The God of Israel. This Goliath guy comes out and starts tormenting and speaking evil or, or speaking rudely of of his God. And it just erupted something in him mm-hmm. that made him go out and say, I'm taking this sucker down. You know? Mm-hmm. So what we're really asking, I think, is how do we, you know, prayerfully mm-hmm. take steps that help uncork what we believe God's already put in you, the DNA of a masterpiece mission. In in Ephesians chapter two, uh, verse 10, it talks about he created works for you to do a long time ago that are unique to you. What are they? If you don't know what they are, it doesn't mean that they haven't been put there. It's just that you haven't taken perhaps the steps to try to unlock that. That's a tool to get there. Don't try to do it without prayer. Any more thoughts on that? Yeah, so a starting point uh, in general for where I coach people on is, is one of them. Yeah. Is, is kind of calling yep. like what you just said, like, uh, and, and often people that'll really hit home because even if they don't have never seen it as a calling, they'll be like, yeah, like God did. Like, I have always had this weird, like emotional response when this group of people are talked about, hmm. you know, like yeah. for me, for instance, uh, I've done a lot with guys in jail, guys have come out of jail. Um, not because I've ever spent time in jail, not because I've had family members in jail, uh, because I asked God where a uh, fruitful environment is to begin disciple making and to see new, disi- new disciple makers emerge, and he sent me to jail. And uh, so that was so much, so much fun, honestly, and we're still on that journey, and the most fruit that I've seen in the city has come from those groups of people. Um, and so it's like, so, but I remember years and years when I'd hear testimonies or stories of people who've come out of jail or like radical te- like wow like I remember that feeling in my heart of, of like that trying to hold back tears when I'm around you know other people so they don't think I'm this weird emotional dude you know like I remember <laughs> that and so there are probably something like maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're like oh yeah I, I got that like I, there are people like that and maybe it's single moms maybe it's immigrants maybe it's yeah people suffering with addiction. Maybe it's refugees. Maybe, I mean, fill in the blank. Maybe it's teenagers. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's, um, yeah, fill in the blank. 
Exactly. Um, like that, that is a great place to start. Um, the other side of it is just like, look at the relationships that you already have. Mm. And so the other thing that we do is we do, I just, we just created this thing called a context map, which is similar to other relationship mapping um, tools that people use, but we just say, who are the people in your life already? Uh, and what are the contexts in which you do life? And I mean, really, if you start there, you might find teammates also pretty quickly. And then, I mean, you begin with the mission in mind. So you don't have to infuse mission in later into the group. You begin with mission in mind. Uh, really it's, it's, that's a natural starting point. I had kind of an expectation that we would have a nine to 10, you know, (laughs) podcast here, but Corey, you, uh, you're, you're taking this to a 10 or 11. It's so encouraging and inspiring to me. Uh, here's a nuanced question. All right. To take this perhaps back down to a six. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So nuanced question. Um, and, and, and the reason I say nuance is I want to delicately walk into what could be a hard conversation or an offensive thought perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to walk into it softly, but what are some ways that you think groups may think they are being mission fixated, but they are more tagging on Hmm. missional activity more than they are being mission fixated. I don't really like the way I asked that question, Hmm. but I think you're getting at what I'm trying to say. Like we can tag on some missional activity yeah, or we can be mission fixated. You could go whatever route you want. Like what's the difference between those two? What are some ways people have done that? What's the what are we leaving off on the table if we take that approach? Where yeah, go? for me, it's it's the idea of we're looking for volunteer experiences. That, <laughs> that's like, it. Like, so if I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a small group, I'm a whatever group in a church, a life group, uh, I don't know, whatever words you're using, and we feel like we should be mission focused. Okay, let's. Uh, what's a Saturday morning uh, where we can serve some food? What's a, uh, you know, you just kind of plug it in where really people may not be passionate about it, but we feel like this is something that we should do to make yeah, our yeah. group better. Like, um, and I, you know, it's not like serving together in a volunteer role once is bad, but it's like, it's not what really what we're talking about. Like we're talking about something a little bit more kind of the, the DNA of a group. Yeah. I totally. could, I, I could ramble on, but I don't think I have anything better to say. So I'm going to pause at that. Yeah. We're set at six level, right? So I, I'll stop there. Keep it there. Yeah. I think if those kind of things are leveraged to introduce people to what being on mission could be like, and it sparks some creativity. Uh, like if they get down there and they do that volunteer role and they think, I didn't even know something like this was available. I want to get more involved with this. And then they find themselves highly act, you know, activated. If it's perceived in a, from the system's brain as a step toward being on mission with your group eventually, then I like it. And I've seen that happen many, many occasions. Like in the small group, they took that step and they were made aware of, hey, I could get involved here. So then you have this series of steps of, let's go back to the word, the phrase you used earlier, obedience-based lifestyle. It's as I follow those obedient steps and just say, what's Jesus doing next? Well, he wants me to get more involved, not just this once a semester thing. I want to come down here every week. Well, then I realized that I'm kind of geared up to be a voice that could help this leadership team go to the next level. Well, then I'm a part of this team and we're making a big difference in the inner city. And now we've got a model that we could share with other cities. I think that's an example of how you get to a fire like Corey's where you have highly influential people rallying each other around this mission of Jesus to bring shalom to the planet that you'll look back on and say, that was my fellowship of the rings. That's what we were after. 
All right, so we're getting toward the end of this. I've got other questions here I think would be valuable, but just here's the last thing. What's the most important thing our listeners need to hear from you that I haven't asked to give you a chance to share yet? All mission flows from the heart of God. And um, and it's, I think it's, I think for me, maybe the, the, it's like you're standing on a, a, a balance beam and the, you could fall in one direction or the other. And it's definitely dangerous if we go all in and only talk about uh, mission or talk about just like serving this need or that need. Uh, there's definitely that danger of doing things out of my own strength, sure. um, burning out and, uh, not hitting the goal. Um, and, and I don't, I don't really get the sense that that's what we're talking about, not but I don't know what, if, if maybe there's listeners here that are like, we're not, we're not asking you then just to go all out. And I think it was, it was coupled with all the other pillars that you talked about within uh, disciples made. It's like, I'm telling you, I've, um, because of how God has wired me, I've always been someone who wants to go to the next level, push the church deeper, um, engage with people who don't know Jesus and really stir the church to do the same. Um, but man, talk about burnout. If I'm not just, if I don't actually love people who don't know Jesus, you know, if I don't actually have that heart, um, I can change my behavior, but that doesn't necessarily mean that my heart and it has is, is geared in the right direction. And so every day, man, it's like, God, I want your heart. I want your heart for people who don't know Jesus. I want your, I want your heart, the, the same heart that breaks for things. I want it to break from, you know, my heart for break for those things. Um, and if we're just going to do this out of our own strength, it's not going to work. But once we, I mean, we really know the heart of God and we get this glimpse. I mean, just to tell this story, not to too, too long here, but, uh, my wife and I have been really affected um, by the racial injustice that we see in this city. And our eyes have been open like crazy to uh, all the things we didn't even know that we were walking in. Um, and you know what my wife has done about it? Her heart has been so broken. But she's she's creating groups where she's a, she's a physician in the city where white and black doctors are coming together and talking about these things and mm. seeing change that might happen on a large level in education. I'm just looking at her and I'm like, that that's what's up. Like she knows she's doing something about this. Like it's not because it's because God has, has started at the heart level Hmm. and it was, it was so important to her that she needed to be a part of that man. So I would say one, you have to start with the heart of God. And the other thing is I would say, find those people, (laughs) find the others that are like that, where that's like their mission will rub off on you because they're so passionate. You have those two starting points. You're going to see some, some fruit in this, uh, this conversation. I love it. And I just want to say thank you, not just for being on the podcast, I'll get to that, but thank you for the way you and Brian and Rob and the rest of the leadership team at the Kansas City Underground lead, because you lead people in soul care more than you lead them in missional competencies. Hmm. I mean, we've all seen, y'all have seen people that step out and try to do missional communities. And the, most of their training is about, you know, how do you, how are you going to be an effective missionary, like the yeah. competencies, but yeah. you don't learn and you know, and you don't hear the, the stories of the burnout that happens yeah. as you try to, you know, become this, you become the hospital, you become the spiritual and emotional hospital for your neighborhood, mm. uh, or, or wherever, you know, live, lurk, live, learn, work or play. And, and you burn out and you're done. And you guys are so focused on that component. How are you being fed by the heart of God, mm. moved by the heart of God, equipped by the heart of God, and then, you know, just carried to the next step by the heart of God. I love how y'all start at that center. Mm. Thank you for that leadership. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And thanks for being here, man. 
This is proof that at Disciples Made, we are not intimidated by bringing smarter people than us. <laughs> not true. And to do this, just grateful for your leadership in the city. Thanks for your time that you spent here today. You're a busy guy. And uh, parting thoughts. Let's go get KC. Let's go get KC. No, Love thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. Seriously. We hope that what you heard today was an encouragement to you or that it increased your curiosity in making disciples that make disciples. If you'd like to learn more about our experiences or set up a coaching call, you can visit us at disciplesmade.com or email podcast at disciplesmade.com.